You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week our team discusses news and events from this past week as well as preview the week ahead. Covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, PodBay, and Speaker. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And let me bring in the rest of the team. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Miranda? I am doing really well. Thank you so much for asking. Always so polite, the dashing one. And, well, we can't do this show without the third member of this team, and that's who? Who? Oh, Dusty. What happened? Did we lose? (laughs) (laughs) There may have been a bit of a delay where that who came. Uh, We we couldn't hear that who. So let's, okay, let's, let's, we're going to roll back time. We're going to try it again. And the third member of this team is who? 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 It's the one and only Brandon Barr. Oh, my goodness. I was already going to give you grief because the way you said it made it sound like, oh, and this guy's here, too. And then Dusty skips the who. I'm just going to take off. Like, you guys. <laughs> no. Hold on. Now you're having beef with my introduction. I, I said the who. We just had a digital drag. Yeah, yeah. we had a little just... bit of a digital drag. But... I'm, I'm just giving you grief. I, I'm... You get the longest <laughs> intro out of all of this. I say my name. It's true. I, I definitely get All of it the dashing true. part, and you have the longest intro. I I don't know how that worked out, but that is true. What a what a, what a diva! <laughs> the diva of the show now, Brandon Barr. Oh yeah, no, we'll we'll get into all my divaness later. I've got heat with people. <laughs> I'm, I'm... <laughs> oh man, well you know what. We can't do the show without each other. Thank you, everyone, for listening. But there is someone out there we'd like to give a shout out to who we, you know, owe a lot of our information to, our fandom, um, and just an amazing source of wrestling news and Lucha Libre news specifically. Lucha Blog celebrated 20 years this week. And uh, I know, again, we utilize Lucha Blog a lot for news stories, for verifying information. We definitely, you know, do what we can to to credit Lucha Blog for so much. I know other wrestling news sites have utilized Lucha Blog and uh, cited Lucha Blog for a lot of their Lucha Libre news as well. So 
Um, a big congratulations and celebration to Lucha Blog. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, thank you you. Know, all the contributions, yeah. all of the news, all of the information, um, because you are truly a source, the source uh, for Lucha Libre news. That I just this processed here. 20 years. That's a longer time than some of the luchadors he's reporting on at this very moment. Oh, yeah. 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 I was going to say, that's what I like yeah. older. Damn. Congratulations, Cubs fan at Lucha Blog. That's a fantastic accomplishment. We really do appreciate yeah. the effort uh, all the time. Yeah, that's incredible. He's an amazing resource for the Lucha community. And, uh, you know, we look back at his reports from years and years ago um, as, you know, points of reference, as resources, as research. So, I mean, just the longevity of that and, you know, the ability to be that new source, to be the person that a lot of us of us look up to and look for um, each and every week. So big, big thank you to Lucha Blog. Uh, dedicate this show to you. <laughs> we would not be here, I think, if it you know wasn't to a lot of your contributions to Lucha Libre. But, you know, with that, we got to get the show rolling because we have a lot to cover, as always. You know, I always say that each and every week, but it's true. I'm not lying to you. We have so, so much, much to cover. So much happening. Including... <laughs> An exclusive interview that we recorded. Um, we will talk more about that a little bit later on. I'm not even going to tease it right now, but we recorded a great interview this week um, of someone who you've seen all over. And we can't wait for you to listen to that interview. But first off, we're going to start with the road back to shows with Brendan. Uh, yeah, so speaking of of the Cubs fans' massive contributions, I would not be as up-to-date on what a mess Mexico City is without Lucha Blog giving it to me in a nice, concise manner here. But uh, I'm, I've stopped updating the colors as we've documented over the week, but there's been some interesting developments. The city of Lyon has banned Lucha Libre, uh, among other public events, for the time being. So they have decided maybe it's not a good idea to have 50 to 200 people in close quarters with each other in this, the, this, this weird pandemic era that, yeah, anyway. Uh, so, uh, that's, uh, unfortunately that means lots of wrestlers not working again like we had early on. So I do wish them luck and, and hope that they find a healthy compromise in the near future. Um, and then on the other side of this, uh, Quintana Roo is now requiring fans to show a proof of vaccination in order to be allowed inside the building. So, uh, this was something that happened when I was in Las Vegas. It's, um, awkward and time consuming, but ultimately I feel that it could be important if you're going to have a large gathering of people to, to have have proof of that. Like, we can't require everybody walk in with a, uh, with a test, but, uh, you know, at least if you're vaccinated, you're, you're reducing the odds. So I guess that's good. I don't know. Um, but there we are. That is, that is what our, our COVID preparations have, have looked like this week. Uh, in, in other news, we're going to move on to the rush injury report. Uh, Sports Illustrated talked to Roosh 
uh, he explained that a, the doctor told him if he didn't have surgery in a few years, it would make the situation worse and worse over time, which is very true. Uh, having had my own rotator cuff injury, that's exactly the phrasing they use. They're like, if you don't do take the time off and do the physical therapy now, the uh, the injury will degenerate. So I do believe that uh, he probably had a had a similar conversation. Uh, he did confirm that his contract is going to expire, but has not really left in left us with any hints on what he were we're going to do. I think uh, he's doing that on purpose because he's a smart guy and knows that if everybody's speculating that he's going to go somewhere else, then he'll be relevant through this whole injury cycle. That's just my opinion, but I'm, you know, he's uh, he's a smart guy, and that's what a smart guy would do. Uh, uh, ROH isn't filming anything until for a while anyway, so we're we're uh, we'll see what's happening there. But that's that's our Roosh update. Uh, and then we have some interesting developments with uh, a, uh, a, what is the opposite of a friend of the show? Somebody we talk a lot of smack about on this show. Well, uh, we <laughs> don't. Hold on. Let's not use the royal. Let's, don't use the Because I've actually not said anything bad about him. I no, you actually like- – you actually met the guy and kind of like him. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yes, I do. I do. I just wanted to so let's not go over be yeah. misreporting on ourselves out here. But <laughs> I ask your question, if you were going to talk about the opposite of a friend, would that be a nemesis of the show? Uh, you know, a I feel like that's that's the best way. Your nemesis, really. My nemesis. Definitely my my nemesis. Um, Psycho Clown has come into the States a little more. He has a GCW debut at their 1023 show in Los Angeles. And, uh, and one of the reasons that, uh, he, he, uh, he and I are, are having more issues is because he broke a story that I, I was, I was all set for us to, to talk about in depth. Uh, but, uh, he'll be at, the uh, PWR Santa Rosa on November 22nd, along with a number of other talents that we will break down on next week's segment, but the updates will be on the, uh, the website in between. So check on that. But Psycho Clown coming to America, whether, whether you want him to like Miranda or not like me. No, I, I, I kid. I really, I think him coming up here is a great idea. And then our last thing is, uh, we were about to talk about in the Andy Roundup that we just had the big return of, of PWR, but we're building towards another big return, the PCW Ultra Show, October 22nd. Uh, there's LAX versus Warbees, Viva Van versus Ruby Rays are a couple of the ones that we'll be definitely keeping a very close eye on on this show. Uh, we... I will be down at the show. We are we're doing everything we can to to make it kind of a big and a, a big deal because uh, the, some friends are on the show. Other things are going on. I don't want to make it sound like it's friends uh, are the reason. <laughs> that just helps. Just makes me generate more excitement. But uh, that uh, that is where we're where we're going to be looking at next. So as we. Just like we did with the uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution, we will probably be giving you updates, reports, and more in the coming weeks for that October 22nd show, PCW Ultra. 
Uh, and that is my road back to shows. So now we're going to move on to uh, the indie roundup. I'm going to start with PWG was had a show on Sunday the 26th. They had uh, three the lucha related matches. They had a bunch. They had a few more than more matches, but you know three definite lucha ones. You had Dragon Lee and Aramis in the mid card there. Uh, Dragon Lee won this one, but uh, goodness, I I want to see. I mean, all three of these I want to see, but that one intrigues me. We'll be talking more about Aramis later in the show. We can kind of talk about his uh, his style and how I think he matches up well with Dragon Lee. Then we had Black Taurus and Flamita against Brody King and Tommy End. Uh, King and Brody King and Tommy End wound up winning this one. But my goodness, uh, please, the team of Black Taurus and I'm hoping it was Demonic Flamita. Uh, more of this, please. And then, uh, Bandito, who is your PWG world champion, did successfully defend his title. Uh, it looks like from what I could see, it was Davy Richards and I think there was another gentleman involved, but I, I uh, ran out of time. But Bandito, still the champion. Uh, and, uh, and there you go. That's our PWG, uh, exciting stuff. Without a cause wrestling up here in Washington had, had Sonico in another match against Cole Radrick. This was kind of, uh, the beginning of a feud. They've been twitting for a while against each other. Last show, Sonico called out Cole Radrick before getting, uh, uh, a match with a great match with Jordan Oasis this week was the payoff for the the all the Twitter the show was the payoff for all the Twitter talk but they kind of set up another match because it ended with Sonica winning by DQ after Radrick refused to uh to break a hold when the referee counted to five something that I almost never see the referee counted all the way to five proving they can count to five and then the match ended um so Sonico wins by DQ, but we will probably see more of this match. And then here's the one. Miranda and I were at Pro Wrestling Revolution last Saturday. They had five matches, including a Dragon Scramble, which uh the action was too fast and furious for me to keep track of all the wrestlers. I had the card on there, but it was pretty obvious to me that the card did not match up with the wrestlers. So, uh, we're going to go with, uh, Kuhui, El Kuhui. Yes. Is El, the, El, El Kuhui, uh, yes. was the, um, winner of that match. It was a scramble in which two competitors started in the ring and then a group of, I believe, four additional competitors came in, um, after, I believe after two minutes, one or two it minutes. Was, it was unclear what the increments were, and it was anything from two to four wrestlers, depending on the group. So yes, yeah. So that's that's how the scramble came to be about. It was um, chaotic and, and so from the, the beginning. The ring got pretty full after there was um, outside of the two um, that started. There was, I believe, three different waves that came in. Mm, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, yeah, at one point it was extremely full with action still going on on the outside. People could be eliminated by pinfall on the inside or being thrown over the top rope. Uh, the grand prize is to go to Mexico 
and be part of the of the another event there. So congratulations to say it for me one more time, Miranda. El Kukui. Kukui. Uh for winning that. Uh he um he appears to be a big part of the the PWR mm-hmm. program. He came out and, uh earlier in the show and had congratulated uh the uh, the programming on on returning so mm-hmm. he seems to be um, kind of a fixture in PWR. And to his credit, he was one of the first two that came out. Yeah. Um and so he he survived the entire match in order yes. to win this opportunity. Um and then we had a four corners match for the PWR Openweight Championship which featured Papa Esco Viento, Vaquero Fantasma, and Ultimo Panda. Uh, this, so the other one was organized chaos. <laughs> this was just four, well, three big guys in Viento, uh, <laughs> trying to beat <laughs> each other up. And, uh, you had some, you had Ultimo Panda doing the, some dancing in the middle of the match. You had some other fun stuff, but ultimately, our our podcast mate, uh now a friend of Miranda's, uh and and uh <laughs> no, 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 I'm not putting things out here. Just because we're both work and I know how to take care of ourselves. You guys it's, talked about knifing people. No, that's not true. I'm not gonna put that out. Well, there. it's not like <laughs> we didn't talk about it either. But just that as Puerto Ricans, we just have an affinity for sharp objects. So it was just more, you know, I'd, look, it's my obligation, you know, as a West Coast Puerto Rican, just to check in on the rest of the West Coast Puerto Ricans. You know, I got to make sure, you know, como estas, how are you doing, you know, how what's happening with you. So we just had a, a you know, very brief conversation. I like to check in on all my West Coast Ricans. It was the first time myself and Brennan had actually met Papo in person as well. So it was absolutely great to to meet him he is as bad and as mean as he looks and sounds so don't you know that that's as that is authentic um but you know i i think that it wasn't too much of a surprise with the result of this match when you think about you know uh yeah, not not to us. You know, you have the athleticism of, you know, the others in the match. I think Ultimo Panda himself is always that uh, wild card you can never quite predict. But Papo came in to win it and that was and he did just that. It's interesting that you referred to the athleticism of the wrestlers and then you transitioned immediately to Ultimo Panda who had multiple spots about getting gassed in this match. Well, I just mean, like, he, he is the wild card. Like, that's my best way of describing Ultimate Panda. He, he is exhausted. the wild card. He was exhausted in half the match. That is true. He, he exhausted legit. himself trying to chop pa- Papo Esco to the ground, which had me dying. Had me literally dying, because that's how well, I Well, I think live. it almost had him dying, too, man. <laughs> I was worried to see would need CPR in that ring. Uh, it's true. So Papo Esco did win the Openweight Championship. Uh, there was a brief moment where we thought, oh, that's a nice moment. This is great. And then Papo Esco started, uh, he started by beating up Viento, who uh, offered him congratulations. Then some referees came out and, uh, they got the beat down. Uh, I don't, I think that was Gabe's son that came out. 
got to beat yeah, that. A, a young, almost, you know, young teenage boy uh, <laughs> yeah. that got uh, slammed to the ground by Popo. And and uh, even even the uh, the lady ref came out and she she got to the beatdown uh, and then Papa welcomed us all to the bodega where you can get anything you want including a beatdown so um, uh, I'm going to just say again congratulations Papa Esco and uh, I'll be uh, over here. <laughs> you want to stay on this side? Yeah. Of, for the mic but a, a big congratulations to Papo Esco um, winning this championship I mean he and he talked about it after the match because Gabe you know Ramirez did come out not very pleased with the actions of Papo Esco um, I mean he, he really took out all of the officials everyone who just tried to get in his way and Papo made the point where you know look everyone can be happy that that PWR is back uh, everyone can, you know, celebrate, but this is business for him. He's in the mm-hmm. business of winning and getting championships and making statements. And he doesn't seem to let any of those emotions of, you know, PWR returning of, you know, respecting Gabe as a promoter to get in his, to get in the way of what he's here to do. Well, I, I mean, to more to the point, it seemed like it had its place. He, yeah. He expressed those emotions at the beginning when they were congratulating Gabe on on wrangling everything and making it happen again. Then when it was time for him to win, he he won his championship and then he reminded everybody of who he is. So, um, yeah, like everything has its place, I guess, is the way to put that. So we're going to move on to the next the next match, which was not even close to the, the same kind of feel good moment. Because you you had the Border Patrol, La Migra, against Adrian Quest and Fidel Bravo for the PWR Tag Team Championship, which was uh, announced as having been vacated. Uh, I know when I was speaking with uh, with Pep about this, he thought uh, that uh, Los Luchas were the champions. So those of you keeping score at home, the title was vacated before this match. Nobody gave us any backstory as to why. Uh, but the, so the Border Patrol against Adrian Quest, Adrian Quest and Fidel Bravo, as you probably could tell from our lead in, the Border Patrol won. Uh, they, I mean, you can go and you can make all the reasons you want. There was definitely a crooked ref. He even came out wearing their colors. Uh, Bruno ref. You know? <laughs> I, oh, I, mean, I, what, I loved it. Yeah, what <laughs> would a lucha show be without a Rudo ref? Right? No, I did love it, but uh that's it, that's how it came down. It was a it was a it was still a fun match, for sure. They're all fun. They were all fun. I'm gonna I'm not gonna make it sound like I didn't have fun at this show at all, because it was a ton of fun. Then we had the one that I, I came into this looking forward to because I finally got to see Lady Apache in action and and uh in person. I've seen obviously on the show we've watched her a few times in the footage, but I got to see her in person against Baronessa for the PWR women's championship. This was unlike the the brawls and chaos, there was a lot more Yaves and action in the ring, some off the top rope stuff. All in all a really good match, but it was too uh, technical wrestlers that had a lot of respect for each other. So kind of a different feel from the rest of the show, which made it stand out. I don't add uh, any, any, uh, thoughts on this one, Miranda? 
Uh, no, I mean, this was the second time I, I watched Veronesa wrestle and the very first time of seeing, you know, Lydia Apache live, which was, um, you know, really, like you said, watching videos of her, you know, I, I know you've been watching them a lot longer than I have, but to see someone of that caliber in the ring, um, and really how she took control of that match of the referee of the entire stage was fascinating. Yeah, uh, um, I enjoyed that one. And then we had uh, our contenders match, which was Kratos representing the Border Patrol against mm-hmm. Mysterioso in a number one contenders match, which is a a term that I've never, I don't want to say never like, but I, I've really come to not like more because the WWE abuses this too much. So uh, much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But but it was here. We had it. The winner of this goes on to face the heavyweight champion at a future event. Uh, it was a very physical contest with uh, Mr. Kratos kind of trying to put his his will against his physical will against Mysterioso, who was trying to be a little faster, a little quicker. Um, once again, the Kratos and, and his kind of Rudo tactics came out on top. It was really not, uh, his superior strength, but his devious mind that, uh, kind of got them the win. And, uh, he will be the number one contender. So, uh, congratulations, I guess. Uh, we'll just move on to the next one. The main event. This is, this one. Was insane for all the right reasons. Oh my goodness. Um, Los Parks, consisting of this time of LA Park and Hijo de LA Park, against Rayo de Jalisco Jr. and Mariachi Loco. And the intros didn't even finish before, uh, violence started breaking out. I believe it was chairs was the first weapon that was done. They jumped each other, then chairs, and then, I mean, like, brawling on the outside uh, at one point mariachi loco was power bombed mere inches away from me like had i chosen had i had a uh, center seat in the front row i would have probably had a mariachi in my lap uh it, it was just crazy all over the place they uh miranda put together a great uh, col- collage that's up on uh, our socials of that match in particular uh it does a better job than my words will of capturing the chaos. Uh, the, uh, Los Parks came out on top on this one, but really it was, uh, the loser was the people that had to clean up after this match because it was a mess. <laughs> it was all <laughs> over the place. Any, any, uh, thoughts on the overall card? Anything you want to talk about on the show, well, Miranda? It, it was just a fantastic show i mean the setup and the stage was amazing um with an elevated uh walkway uh the lighting the smoke i mean it was really a high caliber presentation Mm -hmm. um the lucha doors themselves and luchadoras and the matches were really entertaining the crowd was just you know noisemakers everywhere it was a really 
just an amazing experience to be at a show yeah. of that level and to feel, you know, the crowd's excitement and joy and anger and everything. Like mm-hmm. it was very transparent and also a great family environment. You know, kids of all ages were there. So many fans with lucha masks and shirts and it was just like it was mm-hmm. something that I don't see, you know, as much. Um you know, in my area to see that a crowd of that size, but also just the level of excitement and anticipation. So I highly, highly recommend if you have not gone to a pro wrestling revolution show to absolutely go to one. Um, mm. It is absolutely worth going. Um, and you'll have your shot on November 27th in Santa Rosa. Um, if you know, that's, that's your next opportunity. And, you know, for those who can make it, go because it is a an amazing show to just to just sit and absorb and take part in and they'll be returning to san jose in february so if you're wanting the 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 same arena experience we got here february's your day santa rosa they did say that they can have this set up anywhere. And we look, I looked at the equipment. You can, you will get kind of this arena experience everywhere. You'll get this level of professional. I'm, they did a bunch of shows in the park leading up to this. I'm sure you got a similar experience out of those. Um, all in all, yeah, it was to, to echo Miranda. It was a great experience. I loved having, uh, having the ability to come down there and, and feel the energy, this, this, it was very familiar to me. It was a very much a lucha show with a family friendly environment. Uh and and this is your I'm gonna give this this to you now. Uh the we the results are up on Lucha Central, but Pep took the results that I wrote down at the show and used those as the used that as the uh is the source. And he used a photo that I took. So like this is your mm-hmm. opportunity for the indie roundup to to get yourself out there like if you want to if you're at a show and there's stuff that's going on you if you submit results and photos they might even go up on the website like not just me talking about it that might go up on the website that's a writing credit people so you know take advantage of this let us know about lucha that's happening in your area that's what lucha central's all about speaking of that that's my indie roundup, so I I think we're gonna talk more about how about Lucha Central at this moment. Yes, yeah. So thank you, Brendan, for both the Road Back to Shows and the Indie Roundup. We will give our social media information at the end of the show if you were interested in reaching out to us. But before we do that, we gotta get on through the rest of the show, and we can only do that by kicking it off to Denise Salcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, 
Mass, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at luchacentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday night's live is WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast. One in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha Legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution Luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite Luchador. Get yours now at Lucha-Masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. A big thank you to Denise Alcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. Up next... We're going to take you in this week in WWE with Dusty. Yeah, so we, we've mentioned before, you know, certain shows get the slot based on their appearance. And this week, what really did it for me for WWE to get the slot was Zelina Vega finally picked up a singles win in yes. WWE. It like, happened. It happened. It was on SmackDown. She defeated Liv Morgan. It was a very quick match. It lasted roughly two minutes. And Zelina only won because Liv kept fighting with Carmella. But this was Zelina's <laughs> first single win since September the 21st, 2020, when she defeated Mickey James on Monday Night Raw. And this is only Zelina's fourth singles win in her entire NXT WWE career. So that that's a big deal. I want more wins for Zelina. She deserves them. She, she looked great. She should be the Fuego del Sol of WWE. Lost forever. Kind of becomes an underdog. Big damn deal. And Zelina deserves to be a big damn deal. But I digress. She also, during the match, used a really sweet dragon sleeper like Aleister Black used in his WWE tour. Malachi Black now 
However, Liv Morgan was able to get free of the sleeper, and then for whatever reason, she went after Carmella, who was on commentary. That gave Zelina the opportunity to straight-up kick her in the face. Zelina then hit the code red and picked up the pin. The entire match only took two minutes and 19 seconds. But Zelina got her fourth win in her WWE career. Hopefully, it's the sign of things to come. Monday Night Raw, we had Angel Garza in a singles match with Humberto Carrillo at ringside, defeating Eric with Ivar on ringside. You might remember the Viking Raiders. They had a little bit of a thing um, with Street Profits and sort of with Andrade and Angel, but this one was even quicker than the Selena Vega match. It was only one minute and 50 seconds, but in that Ooh. time, we saw that great Garza family clothesline from Angel. Then he got serious. He tears away the pants. Hits a big knee in Eric's face before Umberto jumps up on the apron to cause a distraction with the trunks. And Garza connects with a huge kick to the head. Then he got a beautiful wing clipper, picked up the win again. Ten seconds short of two minutes. They got three hours of time on Raw, but only one minute and 50 seconds could go to Angel Garza. So, I On uh, the other hand, I really like that it's a quick concise and clean win like that's yeah, not and, and against a much bigger opponent it yeah, really yeah, made I angel mean, look like a big deal i was gonna yeah. say it serves the purpose i hope i i see what you mean i hope this is not the consistent route that they go where it's these short matches or hopefully they build up to something for the next pay-per-view it, it served the purpose for this night but mm. don't make it a habit wwe <laughs> <laughs> well Unfortunately, I'm just trying to we're trying to be optimistic about them on the show. That's the whole point. I, yeah. I, so I I liked the, the short match for this night. So yes. tonight, this exactly. is a good thing. And, and it made Angel look dominant and strong in a way that I really liked, too. I mean, he looked great. Also on Raw, Karrion Cross defeated Jackson Riker. And in keeping with our optimistic and positive news, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Allow me to move on to my favorite WWE program, Main Event. Our second match on Main Event, our first match was Mace versus a local enhancement talent in a squash. But the match I'm going to report on, John Morrison, Johnny Drip Drip, America's Moist Wanted, he was against Drew Gulak. Morrison won, as you'd expect, but this match was also, it was just so good. It was even better than you'd expect. You know, like, you know you expect it to be good when you hear these two names, but it was even better than that. Went for a touch over seven and a half minutes. Ooh. Morrison is truly one of the most dazzling wrestlers out there today and has been for years. And his style, if it's your thing, is fantastic. I know a lot of people don't like the kind of showy, stuff that he does i love it i love the flash and the panache that he brings and drew gulak is an amazing wrestler but he was an amazing base for so many of mm -hmm. morrison's moves yeah. we saw a lot of just like i say panache that we just don't ordinarily see out of morrison especially lately especially in wwe and so it was a real thrill to kind of get this kind of match from him I say it every week, but you should be watching WWE Main Event. There's hidden gems like this every week, and it's where the real wrestling is. It's about 45 minutes long without commercials, and if you don't watch Raw or SmackDown, it recaps everything that happened, and you get a couple of great matches 
all in 45 minutes. I highly recommend WWE main event. All Sounds the like w- the better way to watch the, the Raw to me. Right? Because <laughs> you're going to you get, get seven minutes of and you get, Yeah, you, and yeah. you get real wrestling, too. Um, can, can I just interject for a second here with the – you're talking about John Morrison's style because uh, I was just having this conversation. Yeah. His his style with a, a little extra bit of showiness actually enhances, in my mind, the athletic ability he has because he will Absolutely. do something amazing and then he will make sure that everybody in the front row knows it, right? Which mm-hmm. gives everybody at home time to realize that they just saw somebody defy the laws of physics. One of the biggest complaints I have on the, the indie style right now is that they do – these jaw-dropping, amazing moves, but they immediately then pop up to their feet and do another one. So you don't even have time to think about the one you just saw before another one happens. And I know that's some people's style, but I I, I need a second. I just saw somebody break the laws of time and space. <laughs> yeah, and he does a lot of that in this match. You see these, like, no-hands cartwheels and stuff that he's doing. Like, it's <laughs> insane. Like, you... <laughs> You just have to see it. Like, and he, I mean, I, I understand he doesn't fit the WWE mold, but the fact that John Morrison isn't world champion somewhere is like a real travesty right now because his talent and ability is incredible. Or the fact that he's not elevating somebody to being world champion right now. It, uh, he's yeah. too good for the spot that he's in. And main event really paints that picture clearly. So. I, I highly recommend you check out Main Event this week uh, and all the past weeks. There's been a lot of great Lucha content. If you're looking for the Lucha content in WWE, it's usually on Main Event. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully maybe we can talk to Pep, get those Main Event results up on the website. We've <laughs> definitely got SmackDown and Raw on the website. Mm-hmm. So check out LuchaCentral.com for all your WWE news, your Lucha news, and so much more. And it's at LuchaCentral.com. Yes. Well, Dusty, you ain't done yet. You did such a great job hyping up WWE. And there was some big moments in AEW. Let's, I mean, they really did. I know we go through these rundowns and, and discuss, you know, what we're going to do and talk about this week. And then Tuesday night and Wednesday happens, and it just blows everything <laughs> out of the water. <laughs> so best leg plans, ladies and gentlemen, don't yep. always go uh, the way that, that we think because, man, AEW threw out some big moments uh, on Dynamite. I know you'll go over a few other things, but, man, Dynamite had packed some punches this week. Oh, it absolutely did. And we'll give a quick rundown of everything else. Till we get there, Dynamite's really the meat of the story this week. But first up, we had Friday Night Rampage, Lucha Bros and Proud and Powerful versus Hardy Family Office and Butcher and the Blade. This was an incredibly fun match. There were all of the high spots that you would kind of expect when you hear the participants involved. There was an incredible four-way dive that went mildly viral on social media over the weekend, like a tandem synchronized dive onto the Rudos. Excellent stuff. 
it's hard to stand out in a multi-man showcase like this. They're just meant to be fun. They're meant to be exciting matches. And that's exactly what this match brought. I highly recommend you check it out. It's just, just fun, like I mentioned. But a spiked fear factor and a street sweeper on Quinn from Private Party gives the good guys the win and nine minutes and 43 seconds. And then Thunder Rosa had a pair of appearances on the Dark programs this week. First up on Dark Elevation, it was Kayla Sparks losing to Thunder Rosa. And on Tuesday Dark, it was Nikita Knight losing to Thunder Rosa. She picked up a pair of wins. The Dark Elevation match was a squash match. It was a longer, more energetic match on the Tuesday Dark program. And it I, I don't know. I come and go on these. I would like to see something more substantive and just more meaty from Thunder Rosa's work. But at the same time, she is like the best person for this. She runs a school. She recognizes mm-hmm. talent. She's been all over the planet. And if you're bringing somebody in and saying, you know, is this person any good? You know, should we give her a chance? Rosa's like the person yeah. you would want to check them out and say something. Yeah. So I, I do like that about it now. She, has that talent and that ambition and really like i say she's earned her spot as kind of the gatekeeper to the women's division and she's also quietly racking up a ton of wins this year on the dark programs so her record will look insane when she eventually takes the title off of Britt baker i know that's going to happen i you heard it here first but this is like the way they're showcasing Rosa, they've quickly become one of my favorite parts of Dark and Dark Elevation. It only takes a minute to watch her matches and her work is just so fluid and crisp and believable. Like you believe it every time. And yeah, highly recommend those. But then like we said, we, if it's Wednesday night, we've got dynamite. And first up the, to discuss we had Sammy Guevara defeating Miro after a run-in from Fuego, and he is now TNT champion. Miro claimed for quite a while he was God's chosen champion, and that was all well and good until he came up against the Spanish God. Sammy is on the rise, and his talent is growing in taller and faster than his hair, and now he's TNT champion. <laughs> I loved it. Like, this was such a fun match. We got to see Fuego. Fuego make the run in, uh, you know, to distract Miro's. He was pulling the turnbuckle covers off. We saw Sammy hit the tornado DDT in honor of his friend Fuego. There was just so much that felt so emotionally satisfying in this moment. It reminded me of WCW as well. At the end, there wasn't much of a celebration. He became champion. It cut away to the Cody Rhodes reality program, but it reminded me of Nitro. You know, we got to go sports fans. We're all out of time. And it, it had that feel such a good match. I, we've talked about it before. I have thought for a long time, Sammy is going to be the guy he's on his way up mm-hmm. and this is his first title win. He's also, aside from Darby Allen, who AEW are obviously very high on, the only wrestler, I mean, he's maybe the least established in terms of career before AEW. And so, I mean, he's or the freshest face, I guess, would be the yeah. way to put on it. He's yeah. the freshest face that's held the it, TNT yeah. title. Yeah. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's such an exciting spot for him. We've seen this kind of be, I think this is where, with Darby, it 
was more of a sidestep to main event talent because he's had some incredible matches, mm-hmm. but not much of a title picture. I think with Miro, we're going to see him move up to the world title picture. And I think that's where this is going for Sammy too. It's such a, I don't know, just a special moment. It just felt very special seeing him win. I don't know how else to describe it. I, I recommend everybody check it out. It was an incredible spot, incredible moment, especially if you're a Sammy fan. We're all Sammy fans on the show, but it, it was definitely cool. And then the other part of the show that was very interesting, Andrade showed up to speak to Lucha Bros. He had his own translator with him. They had Alex Abrahantes with him. He asked where Pac was. And then he kind of challenges them for the AAA titles. He wants to know why they haven't defended them. There was a hilarious moment with Penta giving the Cerro Miedo to Andrade's challenger, and he turned into it like a young girl turning her cheek for a kiss to get the Cerro Miedo <laughs> right in his face. I want right to the same thing. Yeah. I, I want to I I stress something you just said here because a couple people online – we're, uh, we're, we're, missed the script on this. He didn't challenge for the AEW tag titles. He challenged for the no. AAA titles. Triple A. Yeah. yeah. Much more exciting. <laughs> and part of what makes it so exciting is like within the last week, CM Punk was chatting with a fan on Twitter, strangely enough, and they asked him his dream matches. And he said that his dream tag match would be to partner with Brian Danielson against the Lucha Bros for the AAA Tag Team titles, masks and titles versus hair and beard, and in a this match. And so now <laughs> there's the been beard some... was part of that. That's great. Say, yeah, this <laughs> match to end all matches. But now that we've seen Andrade challenge and also the challenges of AEW to kind of find something for him. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of speculation or some speculation, at least that maybe CM Punk could partner with Andrade to challenge for these titles. That was, As, yeah, that was my thought since he's already mentioned that he wanted that triple a championship and my goodness, uh, he, it would mm-hmm. be, I mean, you're, I think you're about to break it down, but it would be a good move. So uh, yeah. carry on. Oh, yeah, such a great move. Punk and AAA would be amazing for eyes and AAA, even mm-hmm. though they don't have much U.S. distribution at the moment due to the ongoing lawsuit. To get CM Punk just tra- challenging for the AAA titles, that's worldwide eyes. That's eyes everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's name recognition that they haven't had in years. And the rub that it gives to Andrade, like, he, he's one of the best. We know he's one of the best. Punk knows he's one of the best. I guarantee it. And the rub that he would get from, you know, literally rubbing shoulders with somebody like CM Punk in a tag team situation would be huge. It would do so much to correct his velocity in AEW. Adam Cole's only been there like two weeks, right? And he's had more matches than Andrade's had. Like, they've got to do something Mm -hmm. with him. And pairing him up with CM Punk for the AAA tag titles would be pretty exciting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible that the you know as we talked about with Andrade before that the he he got derailed by things that were happening. Like they they he they had to miss the match with him on the pay per view. They put it on Rampage. It was a phenomenal match, but he that was a circumstance that put him a little less in the spotlight. And then. 
the speculation was that they were probably going to have a huge pop with him coming out with Ric Flair. And obviously, in, in the current climate, Ric Flair is not going to be anywhere near AEW TV anytime soon. So, right. You know, yeah, they've got to do something if they they will, if they want to put him back on track and get the their their dollars worth out of this investment they put into bringing him onto AEW in the main event scene. They gotta they gotta put some shine on him for people, and yeah, that's that was that this was part of why I like the AAA Championship Challenge too because uh, he can win that. Like they're not gonna take the belts off of the Lucha Brothers. But they triple A might let Andrade hold the triple A championship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like I say, to have CM Punk be one of your tag team champions would oh, be yeah. huge for triple A. I mean, yeah. this is a huge gift for Andrade. It's a huge gift for triple A. It's a huge gift for Lucha Bros. Mm-hmm. I mean, to get to kind of mix it up with Punk and there obviously be a rematch and a lot of things going on. I mean, so much could happen here, and it's the most positive I've felt about things within AAA since the lawsuit started. Yeah. Like, it's the most, like, exciting spot they've had. We've seen the AAA Mega Campion Championship just be kind of an afterthought for a lot of things, especially now that Kenny's lost the Impact Championship. Yeah. They hardly mention it. So if the tag titles got a little shine, and there's nothing AEW does better than tag team wrestling. So if the AAA tag titles got a little shine in AEW, yeah. that would be huge mm-hmm. for them. I would a love that, yeah. benefit, yeah. And so that's what I would really like to see happen. I I kind of want to swing back to talking about Sammy, too, because we kind of breezed by what a phenomenal and momentous thing this was. Like, We've talked about Sammy as a, a rising star. They talked about Sammy as a rising star earlier in the show. MJF called him out as one of the four pillars of, of, uh, AEW as well. He said, you know, that there's four young up and coming guys that are going to be, still be here in 10 years doing, winning that. And Sammy was one of those four guys. Obviously, MJF downplayed that Sammy was one of those guys and played up that he is one of those guys, but he did still mention that. So that tells me that that's what's being talked about, that Sammy is going to be the guy and putting the belt on him right now is, is, is a a step towards making him one of those guys. Like, and he didn't do it with uh, the inner circle. He didn't, you know, I mean, yeah, El Fuego del Sol was involved, but it was, that was part of the payoff of the emotion of this whole feud. Yeah. I think one of the reasons this worked is that it was storytelling that was allowed a little time to breathe. We got this over some weeks. Yeah. We got, you know, we got this match where we weren't uh, like, I don't know about you guys. I wasn't expecting the win tonight. I was no, expecting- no, I wasn't either. Right. I was not yeah. either. I, I was not expecting him to win at this point. I thought that they, you know, maybe next year. Um, we were going to see that, but I did not expect it to happen. Um, At the pay-per-view. Then. I was thinking he yeah. was going to lose and it would build to the pay-per-view, right? That yeah, was my, exactly. My but and I did, I also didn't expect the emotional connection I had to it because of the way they built up the story. Like mm-hmm. it was so emotionally satisfying yeah. mm-hmm. to see well, Sammy win. And I think because of the fact that they told the Fuego del Sol story so well that that yeah. continued to flow over, you know, the, the months, it feels like, but I think it's been like a, two months, 
maybe a month. Oh, uh, yeah, a month and a half. A month and a half-ish, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the fact that, you know, they've continued on that same emotion, that helped it become, you know, right. the moment that it was, the level of connection. And the Fuego del Sol story is one of the best stories that they've told, mm-hmm. you know, long-term stories that they've told um, in their, you know, even though it's still young, in the, in their company's history. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. The fact that it was able to tie into that just made it more organic. It it added that that extremely emotional desire uh, to see something positive come out of this, even if it's Sammy winning and not him winning. It's it's somebody standing up for Fuego del Sol and winning, and and that is important. Yeah, uh, and you know, we're, we're expecting big, big things from Sammy on this show because he's, he's lucha trained and, and we've, uh, most of us have seen him for years. So I'm, I'm also excited that the world is starting to, to really see him the way that he, he can be presented. Yeah, I agree. And for all the AEW news, uh, Rampage, Dynamite, Dark, Dark Elevation, be sure you check out LuchaCentral.com. He has all the results, all the news, everything going on there, and so much more. Again, that's at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. So earlier I teased an interview that we did this week and this one ties into our next story and a little bit of the story of the promotion we covered previously. Um, and this has been someone that we have been really looking forward to uh, interviewing. And yes, we've done it. We got really uh, the man that, that captured, uh, you know, 2020 and 2021 by storm. And that is Danny Limelight Rivera himself. Uh, we were able to speak with him earlier this week and talk about his journey in wrestling. Um, you know, his, his beginnings in Southern California, uh, wrestling during the pandemic era, signing to MLW, some big matches that he has coming up in the month of October. That and much, much more. The interview was released on Friday um, on LuchaCentral.com, so you can listen to it in its entirety. Uh, but this was a, a big get for us because we've talked about Danny Limelight plenty of times here, whether we're talking about MLW, AEW, the United Wrestling Network, uh, and mm-hmm. much, much more. Uh, New Japan Strong, uh, and to really hear from him directly. Uh, about his thoughts, um, you know, of getting into the business, his really mixed background as well in the entertainment industry, but really hearing about, you know, the people that he looks up to, his influences, and even some of the favorite matches. I mean, that was phenomenal to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, before we get into this clip, what were your thoughts interviewing and talking to Danny Limelight? Uh, I was just spellbound, honestly. Like, he was so interesting, and everything, anything you asked, he covered the answer and a little more. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know that we've ever had an interview that clicked as well as this one. And mm-hmm. it, it really, I, I feel this is a special one. It was just fantastic. Everything that he talked about, um, especially about his past, his training, I thought that was incredible. 
Um, for me, uh, and we were talking about this earlier with like with Papo, and he's also partnered with Papo in the uh, in the bodega. Like mm-hmm. his attitude towards success and and his his kind of mindset for it just really stood out, and it really like just listening to him talk about how he wants to be and how he wants to do in anything he does and on any side of the entertainment industry and his family just I'm like it made me want to get up and go do something he was that he was already like a motivational in that respect mm-hmm. so um yes well we have a clip for you of this interview uh we started off by asking Danny how he got into the world of professional wrestling and this is what he let us know I just had to ask, you know, how does a kid from New York City go from traveling the world with the Marines and being a drill instructor to traveling the world as a professional wrestler? Like, what was your journey in, in between? Like, how did you get there? Man, I don't even. I, it, it's crazy when I think about it sometimes because, you know, growing up in the streets of Brooklyn as a kid, you know, trouble, knucklehead, whatever you want to label me as growing up, you know, I. Even though I was, like, a little problem child, I always knew that there was so much more from life that I wanted. Like, I always knew that I wanted to be bigger. You know, I wanted to be in the limelight. You know, I, I, I wanted to leave the stoop. I wanted to get out of that four-block radius. You know, a lot of people from New York City, they had the New York state of mind, and they never leave New York. But I knew that I wanted more. And so joining the Marine Corps at 17 years old, traveling the world, the first place the Marine Corps sent me was Japan. I was there for two years from the, you know, from... 18 to 20 years old in another country, no family around, just just my brothers and sisters from the Marine Corps, you know? And I think that kind of gave me the bug of wanting to just be somewhere else other than New York City. And it kind of gave me that bug of, like, wanting to see the world because there's so much out there. You know, a lot of people don't get that, that, that luxury of being able to travel or go see places or going on vacations and stuff like that. And I didn't have that as a kid. I, I never got to travel. You know, I think one time my parents – yeah, one time my parents took me to, to Florida with my siblings – you know, to go to like Disney World, but but I was young. I don't really remember it. And a lot of people from New York, when they go on vacation or they leave New York, they go to Florida. That's like what everybody does in New York City. <laughs> so for me, you know, to have that that privilege of being able to travel on the government's dime with the Marine Corps, going to Japan and Thailand, Cambodia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Australia, you know, all those deployments that I did with 31st Marine Expeditionary Unit, and then landing in California and San Diego going to be a drone instructor and then, and then stumbling into professional wrestling, which was something that I loved to watch as a kid. You know, as a kid, I wanted to be a wrestler. I got photos of me as a child with, you know, WWF belts and stuff like that. And I used to jump and wrestle with my dad and, you know, have all these cool names that I would have named myself, which I didn't use any of them because they're not as cool as I thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to have fun. And honestly, like, life is so short. And I, I just wanted to do everything that I wanted to do, which is why... I didn't hesitate, which is why I took the chance on wrestling, which is why I said I wanted to go be an actor, and I went and did that. Because if you sit at home or, or, or you you tell yourself, I'm, I'm okay here, I'm fine here, then that's what, where you'll always be. And, and me, I, I'm never satisfied. I, I, I always want more from life. I always feel like there's more that I should be doing. And in order for me to get there, there's certain steps that I have to take. And so traveling from the Marine Corps, now traveling for wrestling, it's been awesome. I've had so much fun. I, I, I was looking at it like I used to be afraid of planes. And I used to like, you know, ever since 9-11 happened, I, I had like a little fear uh, of planes and stuff like that. And this last year alone, my American Airlines account, like 40,000 plus traveled miles. <laughs> like, awesome. Like I'm doing things that I, I've always wanted to do, you know. 
And that was a clip from our interview with Danny Limelight Rivera. Um, that is now available on LuchaCentral.com and all major podcast streaming platforms. Make sure to check out the whole interview because we talk about so much. And that energy in just the beginning stays throughout the entire uh, uh, interview. Absolutely, it does. It does not stop. No. Uh, and I mentioned it does not let up. And that's what I do. I got to check out and, and just check in with all my West Coast Ricans because that's what I do. So... <laughs> I I just that's that's what I do. So it was very uh, it was great to talk with him and again to get that insight on, you know, his career and what's next. And with that, I teased I, what we're getting into. Go ahead. I do want to sneak in the that he does talk about his match coming up in October at at PCW Ultra. I did mm-hmm. promise we're going to keep talking about that. So I want to we yes. that is on that interview too. Yes. Sorry. We, we no. Well, we talk about how how challenging his October is going to be, um, because he has PCW Ultra, New Japan Strong, and this weekend he has MLW Fightland, which is the uh, company we're going to be talking about next. MLW. Uh, before we jump into Fightland, we are going to talk about this week in MLW because we kicked off with a lucha match, as we had talked about last week. We got, we were told we were going to get Adis versus Adamis for this week's uh, episode of uh, Alpha Fusion. And this match was, to me, really great um, as far as the energy. It was a great way to start the show. So much back and forth between Adis and Adamis. Um, it started off with, uh, you know, Adamis really being more of the technical in these and Adis being a little bit more of the rudo in this match. That evolved, though, um, throughout the, the match because I feel like they matched each other's intensity. Their exchanges were outstanding. Um, even the action outside of the ring. MLW is a little different. The commentators played up that they use a 20 count, um, which I think was to their benefit because they were able to utilize that time to work outside of the ring. And um, and for Adamis to, to land, I think it was some kind of moonsault uh, or at least flip uh, over the top rope uh, or I'm sorry, off the top turnbuckle onto Adis, um, you know, during the middle of, of the match. And so I thought they had great chemistry. The fans, you know, I think were gravitated towards the speed of their exchanges mm-hmm. and how well they seemed to you know, be able to, to feed off of each other. Now it could be viewed as kind of, you know, a spotty, you know, as far as the fact that it was very much these quick exchanges back and forth. Again, everyone's taste in, in Lucha is a little bit different, but if you liked the quickness, if you like this back and forth, if you like this being much more a bit of a choreo, you know, uh, choreographed fight, um, this is a, a really entertaining match. I think it really picks up at the end, though, um, because Adis goes for the shooting star press and Adamis uh, gets out of the way. And then Adamis uses his finishing maneuver, which is a spinning torture rack type uh, bomb, which is almost like a like a spinning torture rack into like a blue thunder bomb, um, which I thought was a really cool move to use at the end. Um, and Adamis wins this match. At the end, the two did shake hands. I thought maybe Adis was going to, you know, 
get to, to push him or end up beating him up after. But in the end, you know, they gave the, the handshake um, and everybody was happy. And they even started to throw money in the ring as, you know, per Lucha Libre tradition. Um, so I thought this was a, a great way to start the this episode of Fusion. And I'm really glad that we got this match. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this real quick. Um I believe I know Dusty was going to watch this. Yeah, I watched it over my lunch hour, and it was just so exciting. Mm-hmm. Like Aramis and Aries, they are the future of lucha libre, or at least yeah. of American lucha libre. Yes. These are guys that are yes. so much on the rise. I think it was a genius move to put them against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, there's, it's just so fresh and just felt new and exciting and and alpha fusion feels new and exciting like it was just kind of the perfect matchup for the show in my opinion yeah no i i agree and it wasn't a a long match you know alpha fusion is only an hour long there were two other matches um on there but again i think it was a great way to kick off the show and it does show that mlw really places value in lucha libre and all of the styles of fighting that they have with that promotion with their promotion um i am going to jump ahead a little bit into the episode because we did get a promo from 5150 lax uh talking smack uh about injustice this looks like this is a feud that we are going to get um, in MLW, whether that's specifically addressed in Alpha Fusion or somewhere down the line. But uh, LAX 5150 talking the best they did. Danny did a fantastic job. Um, if, if you liked that promo he did uh, on MLW this week, you are going to love the interview that we did with him because <laughs> – there was definitely shades of that when he was talking as yeah. the same Danny that we talked. And that's the real, that's the truth, you know. Um, and I think the authenticity of him, of Slice, of Julius Smokes, all of them, they're just such a great trio. And I'm just so excited for them to be in MLW. And I think them versus Injustice is going to be a banger. I'm, I just mm-hmm. know it. I just know it. Um with that, uh, we do have MLW Fightland coming up this Saturday, October 22nd in Philadelphia. Some interesting match announcements and announcements have been made for Fightland. Uh, earlier today, we did get an announcement that Caesar Duran will be at Fightland himself. So I'm sure there's going to be some footage uh, that is taped that is going to be used in future episodes of Fusion. Also, He has brought to the table, created a 12-man survival tag team match with the elimination. It's an elimination style match, and it ends only when the members of one team have been all uh, all been eliminated. And Caesar Duran noted that a delightful reward awaits for the winners, winner or winners. Uh, But to win, these teams will have to find a way to compete or sorry, to cooperate and conquer and he says that because these matchups are a little bit interesting. As far as Team 1, we have EJ Naduka, Savio Vega, Richard Holiday, Warhorse, Zenshi, and the Blue Meanie. So having Savio Vega and Richard Holiday on the same team will be very interesting. That is a whole cooperate aspect that we heard about. Uh, on the uh, other team, we have Okuro Kuan. King Mo, Gino Medina, Kevin Koo, 
Casey Navarro and Beastman uh, on your second team. So again, elimination style match, and uh, this match ends only when one uh, team have been completely eliminated. And Caesar Duran has noted there is going to be a reward for whoever wins. Uh, we also are going to get a four-way match for the uh, MLW Midweight Championship, Myron Reed versus the two luchadors we just talked about, Adamese and Adis, uh, versus Tajiri. So if you enjoyed watching Adamese and Adis this week on Alpha Fusion, you are going to want to check out this four-way match. Uh, LAX 5150 will be in a trios match against Los Parks. So I talked about that tough month that Danny Limelight is going to have. It starts with Los Parks. And as we saw just a week ago, they literally tore down a gymnasium in order uh, to win their match. And so, but 5150, you know what? They're young. They're tough. Uh, and they are resilient, and so they are ready to fight. Um, and we talked with Danny about that in our interview. So if you want to capture, you know, get his thoughts on that match, please listen to it because it is fascinating. Um, and then we also uh, have the Opera Cup brackets now available, um, and I believe they are going to be starting the first round of the Opera Cup um, at Fightland. We are going to see... Uh, Bobby Fish versus Lee Moriarty. Calvin Tankman will be facing Matt Cross. TJP will take on uh, Alex Shelley. And Davey Richards will face the reigning Opera Cup winner, Tom Lawler. So the Opera Cup kicks off uh, this Saturday in Philadelphia at Fightland. Um, and we will likely see those matches online or on Vice uh, later on, speaking of Fightland, it was announced that uh, two matches from Fightland are going to air on Vice TV on Thursday, October 7th. That is going to include the World Championship match, Jacob Fatu versus Hammerstone, and the four-way middleweight match will be featured on uh, that episode uh, on October 7th. So, you're going to want to watch that, of course, to watch early the the match of the year. Uh, this one has been building up Hammerstone versus Jacob Fatu for the MLW World Championship. And this four-way between Myron Reed, Adamese, Aries, and Tajiri is going to possibly steal the show. Um, you have the up-and-comers of Adamese and Eddies and even Myron Reed, really. Versus the experience, the technical ability, and just, you know, the world traveler to Jiri. So this is going to be amazing. But MLW has Alpha Fusion each and every week. It's on Wednesdays that you can find uh, on YouTube. It is free. It's a one-hour show. And don't forget that Fightland, those two episodes are going to be available Thursday, October 7th on Vice TV. It will be the lead-in to the next episode of Dark Side of the Ring. And that is it for this week's MLW News. Uh, don't forget to check out our interview with Danny Limelight Rivera. Uh, that's going to be on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbay, Speaker, and of course, LuchaCentral.com. And with that, we're going to kick it off to Dusty, who gives us this week in Lucha Libre history. 
Yeah, that's right. It's time for this week and Lucha Libre history. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day. We've got this day in Lucha Libre on the website. It's written by Pep Carrera, and he's got information, birth dates, anniversaries, match of the day, amazing videos, and even more. He's got all kinds of stuff on there, and it's all about Lucha Libre. And that's at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week we chose October the 4th, 2015, when Miss Disease, Io del Fantasma, and Tejano Jr. defeated Rey Mysterio, Psycho Clown, and Garza Jr. in a six-man tag team match at Heroes Immortales 9 in 2015. And just a little background, Rey's return to AAA and to Mexico was a big deal. This was a legitimate dream come true for a lot of Lucha fans, but he'd been in the WWE for a long time. Unfortunately, even though he came back, it would last less than a year. On March the 3rd, 2015, just five days after being released from WWE, it was announced that Rey Mysterio had agreed to come home and work for AAA for the first time since 1995 after having been you know, one of the earliest cornerstones for AAA and helping to establish AAA as like the place for exciting and high energy Lucha Libre. Ray's return to AAA came at the Rea de Reyes event held on March 18th, 2015. Ray Mysterio was interestingly billed again as Ray Mysterio Jr., his original AAA name. He teamed up with the luchador then known as Mysticese, now known as Mystico again, and of no relation to the current <laughs> Mysticese Jr. in AAA. Stop anyway, yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, also Sin Cara, okay. also Caristico, but that guy, he teamed up with Rey Mysterio to take on the tag team of Io Del Pedro Aguayo and Pentagon Jr. in the main event of that show. Then he later won the 2015 Lucha Libre World Cup with Mysticese and Alberto El Patron before Mysticese turned on Rey. And they had a singles matchup, kind of a dream match at Triple Mania 2015 to build a feud that never really got off the ground. And this match was one of those in the feud buildup. Garza Jr. was the luchador supresa for this match. At this point, he was still mostly known as Il Del Ninja, and he was mostly only known to Monterey fans. But, of course, he's part of the Garza extended family. That's why I use the Garza Jr. name. We know him as Angel Garza now. But this caused a lot of confusion at the time because despite the similarity in looks, he is, in fact, not Hector Garza's son. The audience <laughs> at large didn't really know him at this point, especially like we do now, but they got into him because he's got those good looks. And, and also because he was doing the best, world's best, Hector Garza tribute, including tearing off the pants, you know, that trademark mm -hmm. spot, the Hector Garza-style clothesline. He comes out with the rose and gives it – to Mrs. Pena. I mean, he's got the whole, the whole thing down. Like, it's, it's the angel we see now. So it's really cool to see that. Um, American and some international audiences and fans have become increasingly familiar lately with Luchador Il Del Fantasma because he's in NXT as Santos Escobar and also the Legado Del Fantasma. That's him. So there was a ton of talent stacked up in this match and of several different eras of Lucha Libre. Right. You basically had three different Lucha generations of wrestlers yeah. in there. 
and it presented a really unique match and a unique opportunity. We also had Notorious Rudo Il Del Torantes as referee. Yes. He had Mr. C's hamming it up like he didn't wasn't on the same page as his partners. He yes. he's kind of schlubby compared to those two guys, so he had muscles printed on his shirt like Giant <laughs> Gonzalez. He, he'd been doing that since the uh, the World Cup, so I don't know. Maybe he was just feeling. Uh, well, it also kind of like, well, I think too, it definitely gave me shades of like Halloween Havoc, Rey Mysterio, 90. Yeah. 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 Like just, it just, just like in a worse color though, because it was like brown. Yeah. It was, so yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. <laughs> it was just not good. But yes, that, the giant Gonzalez analysis is very much a, a better. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I, I, I remember thinking that at the time too. Like, we're channeling Giant Gonzalez? Why? Uh, you small. You, you're definitely yeah. not that small. But I, but yeah, anyways. I, I, I also felt like it showcased who he was. He wanted to, he wanted to be a bigger than life superstar. And that was his whole, the whole beef with Rey Mysterio. The reason he turned on Mysterio in the first place is because even when Mysterio wasn't in Mexico, Everybody was comparing him to Rey Mysterio, and he'd he'd done the same thing. He'd gone to America, come back. Why weren't they talking about him? He wanted to be the star. So him wearing a muscle shirt to look bigger than life made perfect sense to me. Um, Yeah, and it's a great Rudo move in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I also agree this was – so my first note is this was kind of the the wind-down of what was – the last really like amazing generation of AAA, like nothing against today. COVID probably derailed a lot of the magic that was going to happen, but you had, you had Rey Mysterio, you had Mysticis, you had Tejano who was still Nova hot after Lucha Underground, you know, uh, putting, they, they were the reason they put Garza in this match was to elevate him so that he could become, uh, you know, part of that mix and, and, and yeah. move, move them, move forward. And you just had all of that going on. And, and that was what made this, this match interesting. And also, yeah, like you said, this was, I, I swear that their plan was to build to an apuestas match because you had that triple mania match with the grand entrances and a finish that was not very satisfying, which made you want to see them fight again. Then you were going to have this tag match and probably a couple more where they went at it, but they were part of a, it was part of a bigger story. And I, you know, like yeah. Conan's talked about it. Uh, the, uh, the, the buildup for an Apuestas match can last a year to multiple years. So I felt like that very much felt like that's what they were doing. And, and we never did get the payoff for that because Ray went back to WWE. Mr. C's went. Back to being, well, he went to being Caristico, uh, on his way to being, uh, you know, and, um, that kind of paved the, the way for Garza to decide maybe it's my turn to go to America and get my reputation, which is where he's at now. Uh, yeah. Oh, and Phantasma too. Like he's, uh, he probably had the, had similar thoughts coming out of that. Like that, you know, that seems to be the, the big pattern. If you're big in Mexico, you go to America, you get bigger, and then you come back. So mm-hmm. come back oh. and get paid. Yes. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> That's it. Seems to be the only way you make money as a wrestler 
in in Mexico is if you get big enough that you're a global draw, then then the promoters will actually pay you a living wage. Otherwise, you're uh, selling chicken or tacos or something else on your. Even if you're uh, Ultimo Guerrero, right? No, yeah. Like he's the ultimate example. Like he's a guy that is known worldwide. He was in the PWI 500, but he has a. It's a taco truck, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Burger stand? Yeah, something like yeah. that. You know, um, uh, Pimpinella Escalada has a chicken place because, you know, you can be a worldwide name in Lucha, but you still need to make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm ranting now, so I'm going to just – Miranda, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, I just – a lot of what Dusty said, too, about the beginning, I really like the interaction between Ray and Mysticies, uh when it came to the flowers and how that became a whole thing because yeah. literally the flowers were like all over the ring the entire time, but how people were celebrating Ray. And I, and I don't know if that almost felt like Mysticies was jealous that he wasn't being celebrated in the same way. And it's almost like parallel careers that went in very different directions. Um, I also noted in there as well, as far as, you know, definitely some lack of communication specifically between Hijo del Fantasma and Mysticis. You know, they had more back and forth as far as like, you know, pulling pins away from each other and lack of communication. But, you know, there's so much star power in this match. And as you know, and really a six man tag or trios, like it just the action is everywhere. Um and so I mean I I know as far as Brendan's nemesis, Cycle Clown um, I was avoiding talking about him. Well, I just, you know, I thought he did well in the match as well. We haven't really talked about him. We talked about, you know, a bit about everyone else. But Cycle Clown, too, I mean, just the, the love and popularity that he has from the fans is also very, um, you know, noticeable in this match. But mm-hmm. I really have to say that opening sequence with the with the roses and Mysticis just hitting Ray with those roses got me to laugh. But it also, in some ways, whether this was very intentional or not to me felt like it was deeper jealousy and i thought that was actually a great way to showcase that that was what they were trying to convey and i thought they were doing a great job of it and and in fairness in fairness because i do give psycho clown a lot of grief he was perfect in his spot in this match like he was not he was not pulling too much attention to himself but he did still have that star power he was, uh, he, he hit some good moves. He was pretty athletic in this. He hit a couple of top rope moves and some destroyers. Like, yeah, he looked good. I'm, I'm not, I'm credit where credit is due. Even though I, I, I jokingly say we have heat, he, he was really good in this match. Well, you can find this day in Lucha Libre history at luchacentral.com and everything we've talked about so far on the show. But wait, there is more. Brendan, can you let our listeners know what else they can find on luchacentral.com? If you're listening to this and you haven't visited luchacentral.com, it's really time to do it. Luchacentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. Place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. 
And on top of all of that, it is free. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Brennan, you have some CMLL Aversario results. I do. Um, the, the anniversario did happen. A bunch of, it was a night of champions, so a bunch of titles were on the line. Uh, I'm just gonna go over a lot of this real quick. The vacant title that was, uh, last held by, uh, Octagon was, uh, up for grabs with Templario and Dragon Rojo Jr. This is the Mexican middleweight title. Templario did come out with the win on this one. Uh, then you have the Mystico Caristico tag team titles, the CMLL tag titles, uh, with Titan and Volador going against Emilio Diablos one and two for the title. Titan and Volador did come out with the, the championship on this one. So, uh, it is another babyface tag team winning or, or, or technical, uh, Interesting choice to me, but uh I you can't go wrong with it. They're two really popular wrestlers. Uh then we had Hechicero and Ultima Guerrero for the CMLL heavyweight championship. Uh the Hechicero did come out on top with this one, so I uh I would I believe that is Hechicero winning the title for the first time. I didn't Think to to so I need to point out this match was actually really hard. It wound up being only live streamed and only in Mexico. So finding results that were reliable were really hard. Um, but yeah, Chisero did come out on top. Uh, the, he is the CMLL heavyweight champion. Uh, Esperito Negra and Ray Kamata were up against Akuma and Espanto Jr. for the Mexican Tag Team Championship. Uh, Espirito Negro and Ray Kamada did successfully defend the title there. And then La Yarochita and Uvia against Dark Silhouetta and Reina Isis for the Mexican Women's Tag Championship. Uh, Yarochita and Uvia did successfully defend there. So that was the anniversario. The big stories really being Titan and Volador filling in for Mystico and Caristico and Echicero with the Mexican, the CML heavyweight championship. Uh, kind of, those were kind of the big, the bigger stories coming out of this. Uh, they did announce a few things in the fallout from this. Uh, one of my personal favorites. So I'm going to mention it because I can. Uh, Satanico announced that Echicero, Mephisto, and Euphoria are the newest version of Los Infernales. So they, uh, they are Satanico endorsed. Um, Mephisto has been kind of a mainstay in, in uh, that faction for a little while. So they added Echicero and Euphoria. Um, super exciting. I look forward to the combo mass of those three now. Dusty, keep, keep an yeah, eye out for that. Cause that's uh, be I, will, awesome. I will want some of those. So when you see them, <laughs> let me know. I will. <laughs> and they also announced the, uh, Grand P, Grand P for the, for the ladies. And they've announced some matches. So I finally, I was off air. I was talking about this a couple of days ago that I didn't get to mention. I, I was afraid I wasn't going to get to talk about it, but they have officially announced these, these pairings here. Um, Amapola, Dark Silhouette, La Yaruchita, Uvia, Marcella, 
Princess Princess Sugihit, Rena Isis, Dallas Momokogo, Sonia, Stephanie Vacker, Sukasa Fujimoto, uh Sukishi, so some of the uh the uh the ice ribbon women that we were, we were talking about in previous weeks. Uh and then uh Avispa Dorada is returning to CMLL as well. So we have here a full lineup. Uh that is our, our our the ladies that will be in the Grand Prix. Generally this is Mexico versus the world. So uh Avispa Dorada, Dallas, the ladies from Ice Ribbon will all be wrestling against people like Jarajita and Uvia in various contests. So uh Super exciting. Uh, I know Avispa had, had said personally that she's super excited to be able to go back to Mexico and participate. She really missed it. So, uh, I expect that there's going to be some very strong and emotional performances out of her. I know the ice ribbon ladies are super excited to be able to travel. So they will probably see a lot of really good, um, kind of emotional and, and grabbing matches out of this. Super excited to, to see this coming up. That's going to be um, on the 10-8. They're going to start the Grand Prix. That's on their Friday show. It should be, if I'm reading this right, it should just be in their, on their free YouTube channel for you to watch. Okay. Thank you, Brendan, for those CMLL results. Up next, we have This Week in NXT, and there are three matches that I'm going to highlight um, all of them, the women's matches this week. So again, the Lucha Libre content is being handled by the women of NXT. First off, we started off with a no disqualification match between B-Fab and Electra Lopez representing their respective factions. The show started off with Hit Row out there cutting a promo in the ring. It seemed very babyface-ish because they were kind of doing like a review of you know, like the women's division and things happening in WWE. So it felt like very much of a, a baby face thing to do. But then B-Fab especially went more into, you know, her feud with, with Elektra and their upcoming match. After that, uh, Legado de Fantasma came out accompanying Elektra and B-Fab attacked Elektra outside of the ring to start the match. Um, lots of back and forth, um, in the very beginning until they went out of the ring and Electra was able to grab a trash can from underneath the ring, but B-Fab was able to stop her from using it. And, but from there, Electra shoved B-Fab into the steel steps that seemed to do some pretty solid damage. Um, while they were both near the steel steps though, Raul Mendoza was about to use the trash can on B-Fab, but Top Dollar stopped him. Literally, like, I think just put his fist up and ended up smashing the trash can. And with that, chaos ensued. Legado de Fantasma and, uh, Hit Row were fighting on the outside. Um, and eventually they all had to clear out for the women to continue their match. Um, Electra then took a table from underneath the ring and was planning to use it as a weapon. They used it, but not in the way that you thought. It was interesting how they used elements of the weapon, uh, of the table as a weapon. First off, she, uh, Electra was holding on to one end, B-Fab was the other, and, uh, Electra was able to shove the table into the midsection of B-Fab. And then B-Fab slammed Electra's leg 
on the floor, but also on the table leg. So I thought it was an interesting way of using the table without using the table. Um, a little bit later on, Electra grabs some steel chairs and kendo sticks from underneath the ring as well. And uh, the chairs were utilized as Electra uh, did kind of a, like a crossbody spear um, to be fab as she was um, almost sitting in the steel chair. Um, and then eventually got grabbed her face and hit it on that top rim of the steel chair and then was able to win the match with the power bomb. So Electra Lopez came out on top uh, representing for Legado de Fantasma. Um, and now I am interested to see how this evolves now that we have, you know, this feud between the women established and even somewhat complete. Does this mean, you know, what we're going to see more of the feud? There has been some speculation coming up this week about the draft that hit row as a faction has been looked at to possibly move on to Raw or SmackDown. I hope that they do that, you know, with some time, but also if they do, they bring some more finality to this feud with Legato, um, because this has been one of their longest feuds in NXT, and you would want something where maybe everyone gets involved. Um, but you know, I think it was a great way for both women to, um, have a, an intense match without having to utilize maybe a heavy skill set in, of, of technical ability. Um, up next, we had the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships on the line. Zoe Stark and Io Shirai defended their titles against Gigi Dolan and uh, JC Jane of Toxic Attraction. Um, you know, this one, I just want to highlight some of the great moves by uh, Io Shirai, of course, with her uh, lucha background. She was able to uh, hit a 619 in this match, of course. I mean, Anyone always marks out for a, a 619. Uh, Zoe Stark, though, too. I mean, I always have to commend her for her, um, technical ability. Always, you know, she's always, um, ready to jump off the top rope. I believe she, um, was able to land some kind of, was it a head scissors or some kind of, uh, I think it was the corkscrew moonsault, uh, that she was able to do, um, but she wasn't able to land directly on JC Jane, but Zoe Stark is one who has high flying ability as well. Um, however, towards the end of the match, we did have some distractions happening with, of course, Mandy Rose there, um, in support of Toxic Attraction. That was able to, to help with enough of a distraction where Zoe Stark was able to, um, distract um i believe it was jc jane um and then iro shirai was able to hit the moonsault on uh i believe Gigi dolan uh for the win yes so sorry that that one was a little fuzzy in memory um but you know i think the thing was is that even though there's still some tension between eo and zoe they really did have to work together this week in order to avoid all of the distractions um and interference from mandy rose um and with that we get into the main event of the night the nxt women's championship match and I have some mixed feelings about this match. And maybe we'll have just like a slight, mini, tiny therapy session about this because my expectations were very high. You had Frankie Monet, who had right. so much level years of experience, such great personality, going up against Raquel Gonzalez. Now, a lot of the trash talking in the match was what I had hoped for in promo work. 
you know, Raquel Gonzalez yelling at Frankie saying, what's so funny, Weta? And they were just yelling at each other in Spanish. It was great. I loved it. And I loved the selling by Frankie Monet. I think in general, she sells so well. And it's just, um, you know, very, uh, I think it, it worked to her advantage in this match because of the strength and size of uh, Raquel Gonzalez. Um, you know, you, you really wanted to sell everything that Raquel was doing. Um, and Frankie did utilize her time outside of the ring to create some space and rest. Um, and that helped because there was a, a moment when Raquel Gonzalez was on the steps and Frankie swept her feet up and Raquel fell on, off the steps. And that was a, such a hard, hard hit. Um, Frankie worked the lower back of Raquel, which later on would make more sense. Um, she ended up uh, putting a knee to her back and then a foot stomp on the back, which also then landed her face on the canvas. And the damage was done because when Raquel Gonzalez tried to lift Frankie up for the chingona bomb, she couldn't because of the damage to her back. However, when Frankie hit the ropes, Raquel was able to use that momentum to land the chingona bomb for the win. And so, you know, I felt like there could have been so much more in this match. I understand it was for television, but this could have been an absolutely, like, takeover caliber. Because when Frankie gets into the ring with that level of intensity, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it. She can get brutal. And I would have loved to see more of that in this match or in any match with Raquel Gonzalez. And again, the the, the shit talking between them, like, money. You know, that what a way to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month with two girls talking crap to each other in, in Spanish in a ring. But that's how, what we do, apparently. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and in the end, what happened, though, too, is that, you know, Toxic Attraction came out, laid out Raquel Gonzalez. So it does look like, you know, specifically maybe Mandy Rose is going to be next in line to challenge Raquel Gonzalez. So it also feels like this chapter has ended already. And it just feels like there was so much they could have done. They postponed this for like two weeks, too. So, you know, I just feel like there's so much more that could have been told. There's so much more that could have been done in this match. You know, overall, I'm happy with the performance. And like I said, it was the little things that made the difference with the selling and, you know, really being very particular about what spots to hit. Um But their facial expressions and their energy in the ring was something I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was, I mean, it looked like it was a very fun match. I think the real issue was that after two weeks, there was just, it was impossible to get on TV a match that was going to meet up with the hype that was in our heads. Uh, and then, and then you have that, uh, just kind of realization that it's probably, we're probably not going to get an, a rematch of it because they <sighs> gave us the toxic attraction. It makes my heart hurt instead. though. I like mean, it makes it I really hurts. Like I don't know why. Too. I don't even know why it hurts as much as it does. Like I just feel like there's so much more that could have been explored that we're not going to get. You, 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 and I are on the same page. I think they are going to get a would have gotten a better set of matches out of Frankie than they will out of anybody in Toxic Attraction, mm-hmm. and that is nothing against them. That is just how much respect we have for Taya slash Frankie. So I mean, you know. I don't know. It is what it is, unfortunately. NXT is going a direction that I'm not liking, so mm-hmm. I I think that that's generally generally this is a symptom of that. Yeah. 
it's kind of a, a bummer. But it's it's a great it's a great match. Like again, Ty is selling and her facial expressions, like I we haven't seen that in Ty, especially in a while, because of the fact that her matches in NXT have been squash matches. So to have that level of competition for the first time, honestly, since we've seen her in impact, you know, uh that's that's um it's just something that you kind of reminisce and see and you even get that more when she's covered in blood in all her triple a matches like again the yeah. range that this woman has is can be unmatched this woman has range uh yeah yeah and i we knew they weren't going to use her properly in wwe so uh it's well, uh, in wwe we had hope with nxt yes yeah i was gonna say like <laughs> i think we were excited in the nxt that we knew Two months mm-hmm. ago, the NXT yeah. that we know now is not, you know, I, I think granted, though, it's hard to see looking at the landscape now, like what would have been a competitive environment for her. You know, I can't go back and say, yeah, AEW would have been a better choice because I can't say that really. Uh, no. Um, you no. know, and, you know, you have to and, and she is built for something like SmackDown or Raw. But does that even matter if you're still not getting a lot of airtime? You know, I don't I yeah. I don't know. The point is, you know, it's it's still for what it was, a really great match. Right. Um and I I definitely recommend it again. The women are carrying the Lucha Libre content in NXT, so you know to to them still fantastic work, still a very strong women's division. You know, we've seen this before with NXT when they turn over a new leaf, you wonder, you know, are they gonna be as good as the Charlottes and the Sasha's you know, and and the the Baileys and Beckys and Shaynas and Asuka. And, and, you know, I mean, like, and it all eventually turns out okay. So I'm going to keep that level the, of optimism going the, into The good know. news is they both did look good. And uh, I feel like they still firmly believe in Raquel as the champion. Yes. So uh, I'm taking my, my wins on that. Yes. And that is this week for NXT. Full results are available on LuchaCentral.com. And we are going to end this show with Impact Wrestling. A very quick note uh, on tonight's Impact Wrestling. Again, due to recording, we have not been able to watch Impact Wrestling tonight. But a match that was announced uh, this week, uh, which was essentially a qualifier match for the X Division Championship. Let's go back, you know, to a few weeks ago. Uh Champion Josh Alexander vacated the X Division Championship in option C, uh, which is kind of a hidden menu rule of Impact Wrestling where the current X Division Champion can vacate the title in order to receive a world championship opportunity. So with the X Division Championship vacated, it looks like they are going to be setting up a match to uh, crown a new X Division Champion. And this week was a qualifier match between Laredo Kid. Alex Zane and Trey Miguel. Um, I don't, I, I will watch this absolutely. I can only imagine how much of a high flying match this is, can be, Ooh. would be. Um, it's great to see Alex Zane back on the independent scene after his release. Um, I think he could be tailor made for the X division. Um, so especially if you take Josh Alexander out and you want to put someone new in, Alex Zane could be a really great fit for the X division. Same thing as Laredo Kid. I've been excited for his wins over the past few weeks. 
And um, I, I think Laredo Kid would be excellent in the X Division. This is, again, a, a perfect fit for him in Impact. And, you know, the X Division has also been uh, pretty well known for kind of having a, a myriad of different types of talent, whether they be high flying, whether they be, you know, strong, whether they be, you know, uh, energetic, mischievous, whatever it may be, but very athletically gifted in, in very different ways. So uh, make sure you check that out on this week's Impact Wrestling. We will bring you more news um, as far as, you know, the road leading to Bound for Glory that is coming up. I do also want to make a note of some interesting news that came out of Impact Wrestling. This was just announced um, and, and it's still very interesting uh, that I want to get just a quick thought on. Um, Impact Wrestling is introducing a brand new title. It is the Impact Digital Media Championship. Um, there, I don't have any notes of this because I've only just seen the photo um, announcement. So I don't have any information as to what this championship means, how it's going to be defended. Uh, it does look like they plan to crown this new champion um, at Bound for Glory. It does look like maybe anybody could get this championship. And looking at the promo uh, videos, it's men and women. So it could be a championship that anybody uh, could could a challenge for. But just a very interesting thought, uh, you know, to, to bring up a new championship and it specifically be dedicated to digital media. Question mark. Right. Yeah, I uh, like that idea. It feels like it's made for like a uh, Matt Cardona or somebody. Right. Like oh, going to be like so. Yeah. Did, did Matt Cardona like get this as part of his agreement? And he was like, "Yeah, and you're gonna make up a new championship that I'm gonna win." You, you guys done did. I want to be champion. <laughs> Cardona and Effie are are beefing over who the true internet champion is right now. So not at all lucha related, but I, at this point, since you invoked Matt Cardona for equal time, <laughs> I'm going to have to mention that. It's Effie. almost like Beetlejuice, if we say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it's, uh, it's an, I, I love the idea. I love actually that the business expanding in ways that uh, are relevant to the way society is shaping right now. And the internet is the, especially after the lockdown. Like, you know, this is, this is something we need. We need more, more things like this. Well, that is it for this week's Lucha Central Weekly podcast. We told you we had a lot to cover and we ain't lying because we do this each and every single week. So make sure you stay tuned for next week. Don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can follow Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. Don't forget to check out the YouTube page that has hours upon hours upon hours of exclusive interviews, match uh, matches and content that you won't find anywhere else. And while you're doing that, well, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yes, I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers 321 T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. And I'm all over the Twitters. 
and me, Miranda Morales. You can find me at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget, if you are an independent wrestling fan, promoter, luchador, feel free to reach out to us on social media regarding any uh, independent wrestling matches and shows. As Brendan mentioned, we'd love to hear from you. And also, if you'd like to submit any results, Feel free to do so. You may have those uh, available at LuchaCentral.com with a writing credit. So you could even go big time with this, you guys. Right. And it could all start with LuchaCentral.com. Just remember us when you get big. Yeah. Just remember the, the little people. And when you get as big as Lucha Blog, just remember it all started here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. So, everyone, thank you so much for listening to us. Don't forget you can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Speaker, and more. Of course, a big shout-out to our friends at thecheershot.com, uh, in which this show airs each and every week also, go ahead and check out ChairShot Radio uh, on uh, thechairshot.com. You may be hearing an upcoming episode of ChairShot Radio hosted by this trio right here. Uh, so that's a weekly, very short format podcast in which different topics are covered. Uh, we have been featured on ChairShot Radio a few times, and I believe we will be there next week. So make sure you check out thechairshot.com for this podcast and some other great content. And, yeah, reach out to us on social media. Find us. The Danny Limelight interview is also now available. Make sure you check that out. And while you're doing that, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe and get notification every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops or one of our interviews drops. Leave us a five-star rating and feel free to give us a review. Let us know your thoughts on this week's topics, episodes, interviews, whatever it may be. Let us know. Well, for Dusty Murphy and Brendan Barr, my name is Miranda Morales. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back with you next week. 